from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everyone. Very nice to be back with you, and um, thanks, Neil, for the welcome. Um, It does feel quite a while since we were last with you, and I have to repent of a couple of things that happened last time I was with you, because I preached on a particular passage, and I spoke about a a road rules illustration, and it all went horribly wrong the next day. So I will never use road rule illustrations again. We had two incidents, one on the way there and one on the way back, when it was a bit harrowing, and we thought our... um, life was in danger. And one thing that had happened straight after the the, uh, sermon was, I think I'd said two things I can guarantee tomorrow. We were driving up to Picton. One, that we will go through lots of places where it says passing lane in five kilometres, passing lane in four kilometres, that kind of thing. And Carolyn Webley came up and saw me afterwards and said, actually, Jay, that's not right. There's none of those on the road now that you have to go up to to Picton. Carolyn Webley's always right, and it was a really long, long drive, and it was terrible. But the rest of the holiday was great. Uh, I want to, um, actually, I'll I'll pray and then I'll say a couple more things. Heavenly Father, I really thank you for this morning and the chance that we can have on a beautiful morning to spend time together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, I really pray that as we we take a few moments to pause out of our daily, normal daily routines out of the things that are on our minds and the things that we've been worried about or looking forward to, and we think about something like justification by faith in Christ, I pray that you may seal it upon our hearts. I pray that even if we've known the truth for many years this morning, it may impact us in a way which brings us great thankfulness to you and great confidence for the future. And if we've never heard about it, that today would be the day where it makes all the difference to us. Father, please be with us by your spirit for the next few minutes. And uh, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I apologise for those uh, expecting our series in the book of Acts to be continuing this morning. We were, we were going to be, and it changed at very late notice. That's why it's still in the news sheet that we're doing this. That's my fault, not anyone else's uh, fault. And I know that some people are very much looking forward to the next part in Acts because we're getting to a, a pretty challenging passage at the beginning of chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, they get struck dead, and it's quite a confronting and challenging passage in a lot of ways. And I promise that we will get to it. Uh, We are going to do it, but it won't be this week. And it probably won't be next week. Um, The reason it probably won't be next week is 
the week after next, a few of us are going over to Methven on the Sunday to help with their service. They're a church that has helped our church at camps for a few years, and they asked, we'd asked them, was there anything we could do for them? And they're having a church camp day at Pudding Hill and asked whether a few of us could go and join them. So we are. And I didn't want to go axe, not axe, axe, not axe, you know, and, and kind of lose the flow. So we will be getting back to Ananias and Sapphira, but it will probably be in a, in a couple of weeks. But as Neil said at the beginning of the, the um, service this morning, on Tuesday it is exactly 500 years to the day since Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg church and began the Reformation. Now, if you don't know much about your church history and don't know much about what that means, what that means is that was the day 500 years ago when the monk, Martin Luther, believed that the Roman Catholic Church had moved so far from the truth of the Bible and so far from the heart of the good news of Jesus that he wrote down, he put down on paper his problems with it, his 95 problems, and then he nailed it to a door of a, a Roman Catholic church and the Reformation began, which then swept Europe and uh, it kind of went around the world. So today is Reformation Sunday. And uh, we, I don't think we've ever done anything for Reformation Sunday, not in my time here before, but 500 years exactly is pretty important, right? So I didn't want to miss the opportunity presented to mark the occasion somehow. And so we're going to, uh, to say something about it today. A couple of months ago, when I was preaching on uh, a series on the 39 articles, I think it was the one from Communion, I mentioned the five solas, sola, the Latin word for alone, the five alones of the Reformation. These were the five issues in particular where Martin Luther and the other reformers said that the Roman Catholic Church had added to the Bible and got some things wrong. So what were the five alones? Oh, we're back in Latin again. People are saying out the Latin. Let's just say it in English, in the alones. Christ alone, faith alone, Bible alone, scripture alone, God be the glory alone, and the other one? Yeah, grace alone. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, so those were the five. Now, it wasn't that, have a think about those five alones again. So grace alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, the glory of God alone, faith alone. It wasn't that the Roman Catholic Church denied the importance of any of those things. They would absolutely say that those five things were important, but they added things to them. And the reformers believed that by adding things to them, you actually subtract from the importance of them, the significance of them. You reduce the, the importance drastically. So, Bible alone, Scripture alone. The Roman Catholic Church taught that the Bible was important, essential in terms of authority. But alongside it, it said that the Pope is the infallible mouthpiece of God. Alongside the Bible, it said that the Church's teaching was just as important and valid as the Bible's. And Martin Luther and the, and the Reformers came in and said, no, 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 Bible alone is the authority. And you can do that with each of the five alones. Uh, it's what they were speaking, the word alone, the solar, is the very important one. Faith alone. Roman Catholics would say that faith in Jesus is absolutely essential to be saved, but it needs something else with it. It needs you and I to do certain things. It's faith plus works equal salvation. The reformers come in and go, no, 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 faith alone. So those were the five um, uh, alones. Then you've got grace alone, which was against merit. Uh, Christ alone, the Roman Catholic Church said you also need priests as well as Christ. To the glory of God alone, uh, Roman Catholic Church said you also need Mary and angels and saints to thank. And they said, no, no, it's to the glory of God alone. 
Now, even from that quick introduction, I hope you can see that right right at the heart of the whole issue, the whole kind of reformation, was the issue of how can people be right with God? How can a person know that they are okay with their maker, with the God of the universe? It's a very significant issue, and that was at the heart of the reformation. And therefore, if you put the five solas, the five alones together, you can see the answer that the reformers said. The answer is, if you put the five solas together, the Bible says, that's Bible alone, that in God's kindness, that's grace alone, the only thing a person needs to do is to have faith, faith alone, in Christ, Christ alone, uh, to be good with God, which is why we should give all the thanks and glory to God, to the glory of God alone. That's what it is. That's the five solas in a nutshell. So can you see that at the heart of it was the teaching that in order for a person to be right with the God of the universe, the one who made you and I and has a purpose for you and I and this world, the only thing that you have to... There's nothing that you have to do. There's no exam you have to pass. There's no standard of behavior you have to meet. You just need to trust in Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And the phrase that the reformers and Christians have used to sum that up down through the ages since then is justification by faith in Christ. That's what it means. There's nothing that you and I have to do, no standard we have to meet or anything else except trust in Jesus and what he's done. And so today, I don't want to go into, I'm not going to go into technical things. I'm not going to go into the details of this doctrine. We're not going to do word studies on justification or assessments of the theories of the atonement, as good as it would be to do some of those. I've got a much more modest goal this morning. I just want us to be clear on what good news this is. I want you and I to walk out of the doors today after hearing this and then sharing communion and say how great it is that God's done it all for us in Jesus Christ. For us to rejoice in it. That's what I want, overwhelmingly for us. That we should see how much we should give thanks to the God who's done this. And thanks for the Reformation that re-emphasized it and brought it to the fore. Because justification by faith in Jesus Christ is the greatest news this world knows. Justification by faith in Christ stands against all the other religions of the world. All the religions of the world say that there's something wrong. They have different kind of interpretations as to what's wrong, but they all say that there's something wrong. There's something wrong with you and I as human beings, and there's something wrong with this world, the world that we live in. And then religions give instructions as to how to sort out that problem. You either do certain things like the five pillars of faith if you're a Muslim or the Ten Commandments if you're a Jew or you don't do certain things. And by doing or not doing those certain things, you can sort out the problem. Now, I hope you can see that there's truth in that. There's a reason why religion has always been huge down through the ages because that assessment that there's something wrong with you and I in this world matches up with our experience of life. We know that that's true. We all, sometimes we have our heads in the sand and life just kind of carries on knowingly but at different times in our lives we all know there's something wrong with this life there's something wrong with us we're not what we should be we're not what we want to be we're certainly not what our god would want us to be and you can't we can't shake that we can't shake that knowledge that that kind of guilt within Uh, there are some people that say we only feel guilty today because society conditions to do so us to do so i don't believe that There may be some truth to it, but it's just not, it it doesn't resonate with what's around us. I don't think there's a society in history which has taken the brakes off what you should feel guilty of more than ours today, and people still feel uh, that there's problems with themselves in this world. 
There's a huge push today to take away guilt and responsibility and say, look, just be authentic to yourself. Don't worry about anything else. And then you won't feel guilty and then you won't have these, this need for religion. And people aren't buying into it. And there's a huge push today to say, don't feel guilty yourself. It's probably someone else's fault. They caused it, your parents caused it, or your education around you caused it, or other problems in society caused it. So don't feel good. But people aren't buying it. People are not happier today, not more content today. Headlines in the press over the, the, uh, this week, suicide up, mental illness up, people with depression and inability to cope with it, because we know that there are problems in this world, in ourselves and in the world around us. But whereas religion says, well, in order to fix these problems, do these certain things or don't do these certain things, Christianity says something else. Christianity says there's nothing you and I can do to fix it. There's nothing that you and I can do to make these problems be solved. But don't worry, there's one who could, Jesus, and he did it. And all you and I need to do is to trust that he's done it for us. Know that in the perfect life he lived, and particularly in the death he died in our place, he's achieved everything we need. There's that great hymn, Rock of Ages. I heard you sing it here last week. How dare you sing it while I was away. As Rock of Ages puts it, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. If there was one line from any song that I wanted to remember and hold on to every day for the rest of my life, that's it. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. That's justification by faith in Christ. And we see the same thing, not just from that great hymn, but we see it from the reading this morning. Can we, uh, John, can we just have a look at the last couple of verses? They're the only verses that I'm, I'm going to look at. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. And it's very hard to miss what he's saying here. Paul's sometimes very confusing in what he says, and it takes us a long time to work it out. Here it's pretty clear because he says the same things three times negatively, three times positively. Have a look at verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. See what he's saying there? Three times negatively, three times positively. A person is not justified by observing the law, three times negatively. Positively, three times, we are justified by faith in Christ. What is he saying there? What is observing the law? Observing the law means we're not saved, we're not made right with God by what we do, by the things that we do or don't do. That can't help us. We are made right with God by what Christ, by trusting in what Christ has done. That's what he says. Very important that we get our heads around this. It means that you don't get yourself right with God. If you've ever worried about where you stand with the Lord, you don't get it right by trying to pull your socks up higher. You don't get it right by trying to tip the scales of justice more in your favour, by trying to make sure you've done more good than bad. We don't get it by us doing anything. We get it simply by trusting in what Jesus has done. But here's the rub of that truth. This is, why, this is what I want us to take away this morning. Why is that such good news? Why is justification by faith in Christ such good news? Because it means that you can be absolutely sure of where you stand with God. You can be certain of it 100%. In a world where there are no certainties, 
and where every other relationship you've got in this life is instable, unstable, unstable, and can go all over the place, and you don't know where you stand with a person, what will they be like today, and how will my relationship be with them today? Your relationship with God, if you trust in Jesus Christ, is settled and it is certain. I am completely assured of my salvation. Are you? And if you, as I said that, kind of went, oh, Paul, hang on, pull back. I knew you thought a bit too much of yourself, Jay. Let me make it worse. I am completely assured that on the last day, when I stand before the throne of God, and when I have God examine my life and my actions and my words and my motivations and my thoughts and the things that I've done and the things that I should have done and didn't, that I'm good. Now, I hasten to add that if it was up to me and my life and my thoughts and my thing just by itself, it would be a terrifying prospect because I'm all too well aware of my own actions and thoughts and my motivations and my laziness and my selfishness and my greed. But when I see the Lord on the last day and I stand before his throne, I am certain, I am absolutely rock-solid assured that I will be good with God, that he will see the dressings of Christ when he looks upon me, not because of my life, but because of what Christ has done, because of his life and his death in my place. If you don't know justification by faith in Christ, you see, you're always unsure. You're always uncertain where you stand with the Lord. You're always trying to balance things. Have I done enough? Is my ledger in the positive? Is he pleased with me or not? Do I need to do more? Did those terrible things I did in the past that I've been trying to make up for for the rest, have I covered it? Do my seven our fathers cover my three lies today? You're always trying to make up for it. A Roman Catholic, if they're honest, can't have that assurance. In fact, they see that assurance as arrogance, and I like this in a way, because it contains an element of you thinking your life is good enough. That's why Martin Luther started it, because he said, no, no, it's not arrogant, because you're not saying your life is good enough. You're saying you know you're not good enough, but Christ is. We have assurance not because of arrogance in our life, but because of our complete trust and confidence in Jesus, in his perfect life and then death on our behalf. That's justification by faith in Christ alone. And that assurance is a godsend for people in this life. And it's impossible to have that confidence in any other way. If I think my my deeds have anything to do with it, I will always be unsure of where I stand with the Lord. Because my actions are always going to be tainted at different times. I will fail even when I, I don't want to. You know, Paul talks about he, he does what he doesn't want to do and he doesn't do what he knows he should do. That's all of us. If my standing with the Lord on the last day was up to my faith in Jesus plus my actions, I would always be a mess. Have I done enough? Can I sneak across the line? Or might I trip up at the last? I I tried really hard, but then failed right at the end. Do you remember the America's Cup of 2013? If you do, I apologise for this, because it may bring up bad memories. In 2013, New Zealand had uh, won the Louis Vuitton Challengers Cup, if you remember, and they had won the right to challenge Oracle for Team USA for the America's Cup. And New Zealand was up eight races to one. How many did they have to win? 
Nine. They had to win nine and they were eight to one up. I don't want to drag this out. (laughs) One by one, race by race, Oracle won. In fact, they won eight in a row and beat New Zealand 9-8. I still remember the Sydney Morning Herald's very sympathetic headline the next day, New Zealand's historic choke. (laughs) Not sympathetic, but accurate. Team New Zealand had come so close, they had nearly made it. It was within sight and then (laughs) choke. For many Christians, there can be a similar fear. Could I fall over at the last hurdle? Could I, after trying so hard and after spending long periods of my life trying to honour God and obey him, after doing all that I could, could I in the end miss out? It's a real fear for many. Could we be like Team New Zealand in 2013 in the America's Cup? Let me say that is a right fear if our actions and our lives contribute to salvation. But friends, they don't. And that's why we don't need to fear. We can have utter total assurance. Our actions in life do nothing to help us be right with God except provide the things that Jesus died for. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death of the Son of God is so powerful and so effective and so potent and so dominant that it works. No doubts, no questions. And so again, what do we do? Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. That's justification by faith in Christ. And so I want to say to you this morning that when you doubt, and you will doubt, if you're sitting there this morning secure in your faith at the moment, the Lord smile upon you, and that's a great place to be. And I hope it continues, but it will not always continue in this fallen world as a fallen person. So when you doubt, and there will be times when you doubt awfully, when you are so aware of the things you've done and the way you've let the Lord down, you think he can never possibly love me. Or you can think you've done so many things in the past that you can never make up for it again. Or sometimes you may be so close to the end of your life and you know it and the reality of meeting your maker is so kind of stark that you worry and you doubt and you fear. And I'm telling you that when you get to those stages in your life when you doubt, real doubt, don't look at yourself in the mirror and try and work out how you're standing Look at the Lord Jesus on the cross or look at the empty tomb and look at him and let those fears go because then you can be confident. The more you examine yourself and try and work out where you stand, the more depressed and despondent you'll get. The more you look at the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in his promises, the better you'll be. Remember the song before the throne of God above? That's one of the verses in it, isn't it? When Satan tempts me to despair, when there's those doubts, and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who put an end to all my sin. Because a sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's justification by faith in Christ alone. This morning, 500 years after Luther sparked the flame that grew into the Reformation, I want you and I to remember the truth that they proclaimed. Remember the truth that God has done for us. Know it. Live in the light of it. Relax in the truth of it and give thanks for it. Let me finish with one more old hymn to quote because we haven't quoted enough songs this morning. Uh, Here's one we haven't sung for a while. Charles Wesley's O for a Thousand Tongues. Aaron and Grace, we need to sing this one in the next couple of weeks. O for a Thousand Tongues. Do you remember the last verse? 
No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Then he says, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Charles Wesley wasn't arrogant knowing how he stood before the Lord. He wasn't arrogant looking at his own life saying that he could boldly approach the throne of God and claim the crown, but he knew it was through Christ, his Saviour and his Lord. That's the attitude that you and I can have. That's the confidence we can have because of what Jesus has done, because of justification by faith in Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful truth. We thank you that you've done it for us. We thank you that we live in the light of it. We thank you that we share uh, in the riches of it. And we thank you for the difference it makes to the life that we live now. And Lord, I thank you that not only can we uh, think and reflect upon this this morning, 500 years, almost to the day that that, um, it was proclaimed so powerfully by Martin Luther, but we can also celebrate it on a day when we're about to share the Lord's Supper and remember again how you've won this for us. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning who is doubting or who is worried or concerned about where they are with you. Please let them relax and give you thanks for justification by faith in Christ. And we ask this in the powerful name of the one who achieved it for us, our Saviour and Lord. Amen.